This is Casper Van Dien. You're listening to Cinema Geekly. You know what to do. Kill them all. Coming to you in hypersonic ultra maximum high definition from the depths of the interwebs and straight into your ear holes. It's the Cinema Geekly Podcast. Cinema Geekly Podcast, episode 182, brought to you by Adam Tickets, cinemageekly.com slash Tickets, or click the Adam Tickets link at the top of the page to pick yourself up some movie tickets or a gift card for the movie fan in your life. It's Anthony Lewis, Glenn Beauvais, doing the big catch-up episode of the Cinema Geekly Podcast. Last time we talked, Glenn, it was more than two months ago, and life just got in the way since then. Uh... We were talking about our, our best ofs for 2018, and since then, uh, I've seen like four movies. How many have you seen this year? Two. And so you've seen a couple as well. Oh, I've seen three. I've seen three. Okay. Uh, so yeah, we're going to catch up on those, and we're going to talk about all of the recent news as well, for which there's been a ton. Uh, do you want to start with... Uh, news, Glenn, or do you want to try to get through some of these trailers real quick? Because there's a bunch of trailers, too, to sort of weave yeah, in we and out some of. new trailers. Okay, so let's... First, let's start with... Let's get it out of the way uh, quick, because it's the only... I think there's only going to be two times this episode we're going to actually talk about Marvel, so we might as well uh, get one of these out of the way now and talk about the Avengers Endgame trailer. I think there is only... Because the movie comes out uh, in late May, right? What? Uh, Endgame, I believe. It comes out like no, May it's... 26th? No. No. Or April 26th. Yeah. So, yeah, that comes out, so that comes out next month. Uh, a little In a little over a month. I don't know if we're going to get another trailer for it. So this might be the the last big trailer for it. Uh, they are. I'm look. I think they're being smart with what they're giving people. Uh, I'm pretty sure they figured out by now that everyone is going to go see this. Uh, so they're smart enough to not give anything away. But also, I'm pretty sure there's just a lot that they can't show in the trailer anyway because it would give too much away. Even though I'm relatively certain most everybody knows that time travel is going to be involved fairly heavily in this film. Uh, but there's been, even though we know, like, for example, Josh Brolin is going to be in this, there's been almost no footage of Thanos in any of these trailers. Most of the footage we've been getting is just the remaining Avengers being sad that the world, most of most of the world is gone. Really, I know they talk about it in those terms, but isn't it like half of the universe is gone? Yeah. 
Like, everything is gone. Um, they, I mean, I guess we have to look at it from their perspective, but the loss is kind of much larger than, uh, than all of that. Uh, but they don't really expand too much on from this trailer than in the the previous teaser. Eh, you get a couple more action shots, like Ant-Man doing a thing. You've got a few more bits and pieces of Hawkeye. Uh, they com- I guess the big thing to me, there's only two things that are, are, are any real importance. They have a post-title card scene with Captain uh, Marvel and Thor and kind of a little jokey thing, I guess. And, uh, then they just, there's a shot where they just show Tony Stark back on earth with the Avengers and their new Avengers PIM tech powered, presumably time travel suits. Uh, but that's about it. Did, was there anything in this trailer that, piqued your interest. It, it seems like they're intentionally leaving a lot out, knowing that people are going to be going anyway and they don't want to spoil anything. Uh, as far as trailers go, I don't know. I felt that both of them so far have been kind of underwhelming. I don't know. How do you yeah. feel? Yeah, they have been. I mean, they also probably know, like, trailer doesn't need to sell the movie. No. I guess they feel like they have to put them out there. Yeah, like... I don't think they really need to market this movie so much. No, not really. I don't think so. But we all know it's coming out. Like, you know, the Infinity Wars you had to market because it's you know the big spectacle thing. But this one, I don't know. I feel like you're going to get all the same people who saw Infinity War to see this. Yeah. Um, I I can't. I, I mean, weirdly enough, I think it'll do less money, which is strange because I can't fathom Probably. people. Yeah. I I because mean, it kind of always is like that. Uh, no, I mean, just think about with the Star Wars, like Force Awakens was gangbusters, and not that you know Last Jedi didn't make, money, but made what like domestically like three hundred million less. Yeah, it did. It did. It did great. It just didn't do as great as the first one, which. Yeah. Again, that's like a thing with my brain. I just don't know. I couldn't go see Episode Seven and then not see Episode Eight. Because I need to see the... I hate not having, like, some semblance of closure to things. So, like, if they start a... If anybody starts a franchise and they can get me in the door to see the first one, I'll probably go see the rest of them. The only uh, thing I could say is people being like, well, you know what, I guess I don't really need to see this because... I'll just wait. Well, well I mean, it's like... I mean, we know they're not dead. I mean, they have a Spider-Man movie coming up. You know, like that kind of stuff. It's yes. not a... Yes. That's uh, the only thing that kind of takes a little bit of the wind out of the sails. Uh, live action Aladdin trailer, Glenn. Our first oh, yeah. real our first real prolonged <laughs> yeah. look at the movie. Uh, what did you think? As the bigger dish, uh, Disney animated aficionado among the two of us, what did you think? I don't know, man. This movie looks like a mess. It really does. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't... I just don't understand why Guy Ritchie is the guy making this movie. Uh, well, it's a good question. Well, I just, it's weird that they didn't choose, like, someone with a more musical background like they have for all of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the guy who made Beauty and the Beast in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, we have people with certain backgrounds. So it is just, I mean, unless Guy Ritchie has some, like, theater background, musical theater background that I don't know about. Um, 
Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to see it, but I, I don't know. I think, to me, the most surprising part is how off-putting it is to hear Will Smith sing the songs. I was kind of hoping they would do it a little bit different, but it does seem like it's almost verbatim. His two musical numbers are the same mm-hmm. as the ones in the animated movie, and that's just like, well, that's just weird. Why would you... You could just mix it up a little bit into his version. And they may. It just... It just hearing his voice with that music just really sounds odd um i don't know why they could just tweak it a little bit but i could be wrong but i mean it looks it looks pretty um definitely looks like they have a bit of the spectacle there but yeah to me i think the movie looks like a freaking mess uh per cinema blend despite the fact that the snatch director is not known for his disney-esque stories his knack for handling characters like Aladdin make him a perfect uh, make him perfect for the job. Disney's Sean Bailey explained. This is a quote from Sean Bailey, who works for Disney. Uh, Guy became interested in doing a Disney movie, and we talked a lot about it. When we talked about Aladdin, he said, "My stories are really about street hustlers. That's what oh, I know geez. how to do." And Aladdin is a classic street hustler who makes good. Guy got his own version of the story in his life, but he wanted to honor and respect the Disney of it all. Uh, We never want to feel like we have a playbook to these things because we worry it'll make us creatively complacent. The idea of a highly energized Guy Ritchie Disney musical felt like, oh, we haven't done that before. So that's why he's directing this movie, Glenn. Because, oh, we haven't done that before. Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah, yeah, I guess. Oh, my really his street hustler movies that's what I, that's what he's all about uh yeah i get i get it street um, hustler sherlock holmes <laughs> well you know snatches i mean it is like street level hustlers that's what yeah <laughs> but it, it's just like i don't know i never really thought of aladdin as a street hustler uh, that robin hood movie even... that we all thought was directed by guy Ritchie but wasn't <laughs> I, I'm telling you, man. I'm sorry, but that uh, that is a Mandela effect. I, yeah, I was positive I was it was a Guy Ritchie. Yeah, he produced it. He wrote it. I, he was somewhere. He had to evolve. Did a rewrite, an uncredited rewrite, well, it's or funny, something. Funny, you know. I watched that Honest trailer or whatever, and um, and it felt like just like how you talked to me about it, except you didn't finish it like Dan Merle did. Mm-hmm. But. Whenever they, I'm glad that they also made the same observation that it felt like a bad guy Richie movie, and I, but I've legitimately thought like, yeah, like wait, it's not. Hold on. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, so let's talk about uh, the Toy Story four trailer. Then uh, that job. I, I guess I didn't really give my views on the Aladdin trailer. Uh, I, I, it didn't look as bad as I thought it would, and Will Smith's genie in more context, is not as bad as I thought it would be. Although, I still would have been okay if they just made a completely CGI genie, and then just took all of Robin Williams' lines from the original movie and just pasted them in here. Uh, I mean, some of those jokes are outdated now, (laughs) because of when the original film was made, uh, and they might not necessarily play as well to a a new, younger audience, but... Like, the only one that seemed kind of fun was... 
whole like, oh, I can make you a. I'll I'll make you a prince. Yeah, and that guy's like, hey, anyone's y'all? Hey, y'all, anyone see my castle or whatever? A guy just standing out in the middle of the desert. But I don't know why they could. Why don't they make a a fresh Prince of Bel Air joke? Right, it is right freaking there. Self-referential, like yeah, they didn't they do that in the didn't they do that in Aladdin? They made a a lot of pop culture references. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, it's, yeah, it's Robin Williams. It's, like, all he does. But yeah. Yeah, no, it's, like, it was right there. It is, I mean, yeah, it may have been a little on the nose, but no, it's only, okay. like, the biggest curmudgeon would have been, like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, the people, when I saw Captain Marvel that were, when this Shazam trailer played, and then, you know, it's, of course, he's an adult buying alcohol, and they're, like, oh, I get it, he's a 15-year-old boy. Yeah. Yes, sometimes the most obvious joke is the best joke. Like, yes, a 15-year-old boy would try to buy beer. That that's exactly what he would do. Like, I, I mean, I'm I'm actually kind of a big fan sometimes of really obvious jokes. I I know I'm in the minority, but I really enjoyed Mike Myers being in Bohemian Rhapsody making a reference to the fact that no one will ever be in their car listening to Bohemian Rhapsody banging their heads. Uh, mm-hmm. like that's such an obvious, you know, like they put Mike Myers in this movie just so they could make this Wayne's world reference, even though this movie yeah. takes place long before Wayne's world was ever thought on anyone's head. Like <laughs> that was still like, I, I mean, it got a chuckle out of me. Uh, but I'm sure it did a lot of people. Like it, it, sometimes it's okay. Like, yeah, I guess my thing is it's not a lazy joke. I think there's a difference between lazy and a, obvious mm-hmm. I agree and it's not I don't think doing a a clever thing with Prince of Bel-Air like I think that's a late um it's just the most obvious one but also like who cares yep yep um like you have Will Smith use Will Smith to all of his Will Smithness. yes uh okay so the trailer for Toy Story 4 uh, speaking of Disney and animated, uh, I'm not letting things die. Yeah what what did you what did you make of this? I am uncertain. Yeah, me too. I mean, I'm sure this will probably end up being good, but I mean, this I mean, <sighs> the trailer had a bad editing, which is very strange. Yeah. I didn't like the jump from them being on the street to like, oh, Bo Peep's in a window. And yeah. then kind of spoiling what could be like the craziest part of the whole movie is all the puppets. Mm-hmm. The, I'm just... I mean, I, it, it's not like they, there's a lot they can do with their characters being toys, but I, they are kind of retreading the same ground here a oh, little bit. Oh, I know. It feels like... like, oh, they split up. We gotta go find... They split up. Blah, we blah, gotta blah. find them. And, like, one of them gets attracted to the idea of not going... I mean, this is very much feels like the whole Toy Story 3 story again of... I mean, and, and, and even that story was played on a little bit in Toy Story 2, where you had um, the... Oh, God. What was his name? That. Oh, Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer's character, yeah, the uh, uh the he's a the, the coal miner. Yeah, or the prospector. 
prospector. Yeah. Like he was like trying to lure Jesse and Bullseye away to, you know, it's better to be in a collection or whatever to be, you know, looked at and enjoyed or whatever. And Woody's like, no, it's better to be a kid's toy to be played with and stuff. Uh, one trying to lure him away from the other life. And like they went much fuller into that story in the third movie uh, about, you know, staying at the the daycare center or whatever. And here we are again in this yeah, movie. Yeah, then they turned it into a prison movie. Yeah, then they yeah yeah they turned it into a prison movie, <laughs> and it was an awesome movie, uh, ultimately. But I mean, here we go again. They're doing the same thing, where every, somebody gets split up, and now it's Woody who is being tempted uh, to not go back. You know, like uh, being a lost toy isn't so bad. Bo Peep apparently is. We're led to believe is trying to convince him to, uh, you know, like, this life is better or whatever. Um, and then, then he watches her fall off a building and shatter. There's some... I mean, there's, like, a lot of weird... There's a lot of weird darkness in, in this. So he's just like, I'm supposed to make kids happy, but I don't know if I can even do that anymore. Or, like, I don't even know what that means. Or uh, an existential crisis with a toy. Yeah. Or I mean... sport. Yeah. I... I don't know. I feel I really feel like they should have stopped at three, but there's a lot of people who are like they should have stopped at two. Um, and I thought three was amazing. Uh, yeah, so, three three had a good passing of the torch. We did we just didn't need to see that torch keep going. You know, like that. Was, yeah, I think that would have been a funny. great ending. But I don't, also yeah. like I think my problem, and I don't know if they do it in this, but my thing is that like kids don't play with toys anymore like that they play on computers and ipads like if mm. you like if, if they're turning into whole like where he says i don't know if i can make a kid happy anymore if it's because like all body wants to be is on her ipad now and she doesn't care about yeah. playing with toys like yeah so okay that might be an interesting movie but this doesn't look like we're gonna get that as someone with an eight-year-old daughter who who in previous points of her life were in fact younger uh, I can vouch for this to a degree. Like, she still plays with toys quite a bit, but not nearly as much as she spends on her tablet playing games or watching videos. Um, she plays with toys, but that's like the secondary thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not her primary form of fun. Um, like if she goes over to play at a friend's house, like they go play Minecraft. Uh, they don't, yeah. you know, they don't play dolls or, you know, they'll play outside every now and again too, but they don't play with figures or things like that. They, well, you can't let kids play outside here. If there's not an adult, adult outside, it's a child in danger. <laughs> so maybe, look, maybe that's the direction they're going to go in and they just don't want to reveal that. Uh, maybe if that's the case, they'll have something interesting to say about how kids don't necessarily play with toys that much anymore. Uh, although I'd have to go oh, look. They have a tie in the Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd look. I'd have to go look and see what kind of like what toy sales are doing. Although it's possible they could be propped up by collectors, and there's a lot of adults who buy toys for collecting purposes and things like that. So. I'm oh, not. Yeah. I'm not it's sure. Like the whole business of Barbie is collectors, which yeah, so I'm not for kids. Yeah, so I'm not sure precisely like how good or bad the toy selling business is, but 
uh, I'd be interested. I'd be interested to see if maybe if they go in that direction. If they go in that sort of direction, I think I'm in. But this trailer didn't lead me in that direction. I think Toys R Us going out of business is your uh, sign of kids not playing with toys. Yeah. And online shopping. Well, and online shopping, of course. Um, All right, so uh, let's round out the trailer talk with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the ninth film by Quentin Tarantino. Uh, This is starring Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio, of course. Uh, Margot what, Robbie, Margot Al Robbie, of course. Yeah, his uh, his go to gang. And uh, what did you make uh, of this? Which is so? What's the story here about this movie? It's supposed to be about now. Is the movie is about Brad Pitt, right? As the stuntman. Is it? it is, is this his movie? From what I understand, this movie is a fictionalized version of like. 60s Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So you saw a guy with long hair and a beard. That's Charles Manson. Yep. So they're going to deal with the family. So it seems like they're kind of like timeline wise, probably put this hodgepodge of like different things that happened in that time frame, but probably make it sound like it happened over a matter of weeks. Yeah. Um, Cause to me, what it seemed like is that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was kind of like, I mean, this is before Burt Reynolds would have been Burt Reynolds anyways, because that's more 70s. But, like, when they had him with the, the handlebar mustache, like, oh, man, it's like, he just seems like Burt Reynolds. Mm-hmm. And who, you know, could do his own stunts, but, you know, he had a guy who kind of did the real dangerous stuff. But, yeah. um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's it seems like it's been more of a Brad Pitt movie. But like I told you, what's so funny to me is the guy who's objectively more handsome uh, than the other one is the stunt double. So the one who has the much prettier <laughs> face, Brad Pitt, being the stunt double for Leo is kind of funny. Yeah. Not that Leo's you know, not a good looking guy, but like, you know, he's still, you know, he's always been chubby ever since like, catch me if you can. Like, yeah. He's just hot because he's every woman in the world still knows him as Jack Dawson or whatever his last name was. Um, yes. so, you know, he can kind of, he has a little bit of leeway, whereas Brad Pitt is just still smoking hot. So it is just kind of odd to me that he's the, he's the, he's the stunt double for, for the star. By the way, the premise is very thin here. 1969 LA, a TV actor and his stunt double em- embark on an odyssey to make a name for themselves in the film industry. But as you noted, uh, this seems very very much tied in to the Tate murder by the Manson family because Margot Robbie is playing Sharon Tate. Is uh, Damian Lewis is playing... I wonder if they're... No, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I wonder if they're, they're going to stab at uh, Roman Polanski because of, you know, at the time he was married to Sharon Tate. Uh, Damian Lewis is Steve McQueen who was invited to the Tate's home for the dinner party that night, but was unable to show up. Uh, So yeah, uh, various uh, various people who were murdered by the Manson family are in this film as characters including Damian Harriman as Charles Manson. Uh, Also uh, 
Mike Moe is playing Bruce Lee, who has like the best, I think, the best part in the <laughs> trailer. Uh, who is playing Bruce Lee, who was a, a choreographer for the fight scenes in The Wrecking Crew, which starred Sharon Tate. Uh, and following the Tate murders, Lee attended her funeral and was also privately investigated, which is a little weird. Uh, Roman Polanski is uh, being uh, portrayed in this film uh, as well. Hmm. So, yeah. Uh, also, additionally, Tim Roth, Kurt Russell, Michael Madsen, uh, Timothy Oliphant, and James Marsden, uh, Marsden are also in this film, uh, with, along with a bunch of other... Yeah, um, it's got a crazy cast. Yes. But, so, with this movie kind of being about Sharon Tate and stuff, do you think if it wasn't Quentin Tarantino that people would say this is probably a little... Possible. I mean, if it wasn't Tarantino, yeah, probably. Because I feel like with him, like you could say it's distasteful, but it's like you know he's going to do something different with it. Like he, I don't think he's going to do anything that'll be like offensive in that way. No, because like some people are like, why is Tarantino making a movie about slavery when like when you watch that movie, you're like, wow, it probably has more interesting things to say about slavery than most straight dramas do. Mm-hmm. So it is, I'm just curious if it's just because it's him, he gets a lot of leeway. Like it was just somebody making a movie with a bunch of no names. I wonder how he would yeah. do this. Um, oh, also originally Burt Reynolds was going to be in this movie playing George Spahn, uh, who uh, rented out his, uh, ranch for locations uh, in the movie industry. Uh, but unfortunately, he died before his scenes could be filmed, so he was replaced by Bruce Dern. Oh, okay. Uh, so that's uh, another little bit of trivia. We should probably get moving on to the other pieces of news, though. We talked quite a bit about this movie. Suffice to say, Glenn and I are both interested in this, and we'll end up seeing yeah, it. Yeah. Um, two pieces of Disney, mo- uh, Disney news. Uh, as of today, Glenn... Uh, the Disney 21st Century Fox merger has been completed, and now Disney owns uh, all of the Marvel properties it didn't own, and it also owns pretty much anything that you've ever seen on Fox that does not count as sports. Uh, that's the only thing that Fox did not sell off to Disney here, I believe. So, well, they, well, I thought they didn't buy the news either. No, they don't have the news division either. That's correct. Yeah, um, and I think local affiliates are also yes. Uh, separate. Does that mean they also have FX? Because that's Fox as well, right? Uh huh. Yep. So they've got like Sons of Anarchy and The Simpsons. Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Always Sunny. They they've got all of that stuff. Uh, they now have the, uh, Fox famously had the, uh, in perpetuity rights to distribute Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope because they helped, uh, they helped pay for the film, I think. Uh, but now Disney owns that along with the rest of Lucasfilm. So if Disney wanted to, and if those originals, uh, existed, Glenn, they could release the originals unaltered on Blu-ray, although George Lucas claims that 
those were destroyed. Uh, but I think he's full of shit. Maybe he's not. Uh, but they could do that. And of course, uh, Marvel-wise, they now own all of the properties they once owned, or that they... I guess Marvel... It's not like they didn't own them. They licensed, or whatever it was, to the the rights to Fox. So mm-hmm. Disney now has exclusive domain over the X-Men and Deadpool and Fantastic Four and whatever else Fox had made under the, the Disney or under the, uh, the Marvel banner, Disney now owns all of that. So, uh, I'm sure that means this next phase of MCU movies, we will probably, I would wager that this dark Phoenix movie that's coming out, uh, will, that's it. They did. that'll probably be it for that version of the X-Men. And they are going to introduce a whole new version of X-Men. Uh, they'll have Galactus. So if they need a, somebody bigger than Thanos, to be a big bad guy uh, going forward, uh, they you know they will be able to do that. Uh, if they want to make Deadpool an Avenger, uh, they can do that. Although I'm not sure I see them doing that, but they could. Uh, honestly, I think they'll want to actually keep that as its own separate thing. But I could be wrong. And they and they become the primary shareholder of Hulu. Uh, they do indeed, which will probably become the home for any properties that they have now picked up or may pick up in the future or may make in the future that won't necessarily fit onto their Disney Plus streaming outfit, which I think they want to keep at a PG level or maybe PG-13 level and not go above that. Uh, so if and when they ever... Uh, reacquire the streaming rights to the Netflix shows because uh, I believe Netflix has a like at least a couple of years handle on that uh, before Marvel can try to retain the or regain the the streaming rights to those particular shows. Um, I would imagine that's where those shows would land, uh, and the same goes for some of their other television properties and. Uh, possibly some of the other movies like Deadpool would probably land there I would imagine uh, instead of on Disney Plus so yeah uh, a huge giganto merger I'm sure a lot of people will lose their jobs and I'm also sure that creativity will probably be stifled somewhat because it always yeah. is in these sort of situations so we need uh, we need Warner Brothers to get their shit together yeah well they better Okay. You know, we uh, need these Harry Potter movies not to suck. Uh, <laughs> we need these DC movies to be better. I mean, I, I like Universal to I, get their Jurassic World crap on online. That's sure. But they can still keep pumping out those amazing Fanta- or Fast and Furious movies. But oh yeah, <laughs> we just. I mean, we the need trailer these other studios to do better. The trailer for Hobbs and Shaw, like I. When you told me, like, oh, those are basically, like, superhero movies with cars now, I'm like, eh, I, are they really? And then I saw this, the trailer for Hobbs and Shaw, where Idris Elba's like, I'm a genetic super soldier and I'm impervious yeah, to yeah. bullets. I'm like, holy shit, you were right. They are just superheroes no, now. that's the thing, though, is their superpower was the car. Now now they don't need cars. They just have superpowers. Superpowers. <laughs> 
That was a thing. It's like remember when it was about drifting. Remember when it was about super drifts, Glenn? Yeah. It was just yeah, about well, winning races. Yeah, well, now they're fighting... Well, remember when it was about robbing semi-trucks for DVD uh, VHS combo <laughs> players? <laughs> that, that's where all this started. Uh, um, and now it's, you know... The good old the days. The Diesel's fighting a, a nuclear submarine with a, you know... Yep. A Dodge Challenger. Yes. So... Um, the world's amazing place all right it's evolved so uh last piece of disney news they backtracked on their james gunn policy they've reinstated him as the director for guardians of the galaxy volume three uh because he snuck out of that whole disney exclusivity thing uh and he's in the midst of making the uh second suicide squad movie which by all accounts, by the way, is not a sequel to Suicide Squad. It, they're just that movie's been flushed, and they're just yeah. making a completely new Suicide Squad movie set in a different time. Uh, with I think Idris and Elba Idris is Elba. Deadshot. Yep. Yeah, uh, they're just doing something completely different with that, and he is going to be allowed to make that movie first, obviously. Uh, but then he's coming back to Disney. Uh, so was this just a case of? Enough time oopsie had daisy. passed. What was that? Oh, it's like oopsie daisies. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what I thought it would have been. Like, oh, we fucked up. But I feel like this was more of a enough time has passed and we brought him back. But really, I think this was more on Disney's end than it was on James Gunn's end. Uh, you know, for his part, he's always been... Uh, very well reserved and spoke well of Disney or whatever, but you know, they, uh, the, I think it was just people wouldn't, the people they wanted to probably take the reins were like, no, you should just have James do it. Yeah. Like all the other rumors of who was going to do it. Yeah. Like Taika Waititi or, uh, oh gosh, the name of the fellow who did the Ant-Man movies. I keep wanting to say Adam. Oh, McKay, Adam. But... Well, no, no, he was suggested Adam McKay, but, uh, I can't remember the, guy who did him. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, yeah, I heard those names floating around. They were going to go with his script uh, that he had planned. Uh, and then, of course, you had all of the actors in the film who were kind of standing by him. Uh, then you had people like Dave Batista who was going a step further. It was just like, I'm not even going to do it. Or, you know, well, he said he would maybe, but like, because he didn't want to step into, like, you know, weird legal boundaries, but he wasn't going to yeah. do it happily. Uh, and it just sounded like nobody was happy with this. And everybody kept saying, you fucked up Disney. Like this is, I, how did you realize that this is not more on you than it is on him uh, at this point? Uh, to me, it still feels like this was a move where uh, it's calmed down a little bit and they just announced it. I think it's a good move. I I mean, he sort of created his own unique bubble within that MCU place that a lot of stuff feels very much the same. And he sort of kind of created his own weird pocket where it's just a little bit different. And it would have felt weird if he wasn't doing the the third movie. So super happy uh, that they brought him back. Ultimately, a good move. 
Do you think it could be? And I, I and I'm just spitballing, just because. Um, well, a I don't care, and we're gonna talk about the movie, anyways. But it is funny that this happens right around the same time—the whole hoopla about Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it became the Ghostbusters thing of. You know, yeah, I'm sure a few guys said the movie sucked, and then it turns into a like, well, if you don't like this movie, you're a misogynistic pig, mm-hmm. and blah blah blah. And then Brie Larson goes on this whole thing where, you know, white male critics and are this percentage and that kind of stuff, and uh, mm-hmm. and then it's like, oh well, we don't want to completely ostracize this uh, our core fan base. Let's give them something that they want. Yeah, well, I mean, well, yeah, we'll talk about Captain Marvel in a bit, but uh, before I guess before we get to that, let's talk about all of the other things we've seen because we've seen quite a bit. Uh, you saw Glass, correct? I still haven't seen it. I wanted to see it. I I even watched Split for the first time, leading up to it, thinking I was going to get to see Glass, and then I I didn't get to see it. I will get to see it eventually, but I have not seen it yet. Uh, what did what did you make of the the Avengers of the Shyamalanaverse? <laughs> I actually liked it a lot. Um, I liked that it was different. I liked how low key it was. Um, I will say, as things, I mean, you know, with the whole twist and stuff. I, I mean, I didn't really care for it so much. Mm-hmm. But um, I'll say, like throughout the whole movie, like them being in the state hospital and whatnot, like I liked all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, then Bruce Willis really questioning if he really is special and that, you know, has these abilities and whatnot. Like, I thought that kind of stuff was neat. I liked that kind of take on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, over, I mean, it's kind of, I don't really want to talk about it because can't without just completely spoiling everything. Sure. But like, James McAvoy's great in it. Uh, Bruce Willis is fine. I mean, he, you know, he definitely trying a little bit harder. He wasn't mailing it in? No, but it's still kind of like, Mopey, quiet Bruce Willis. Which, oh, you like, you know, he, that's kind of, he that's FedExed kind of David was. He FedExed it in with two to three business days instead of snail mail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't Pony Express. Yeah, he. Yeah. he <laughs> it was for his first class. How, okay, so how do you feel like they? Because I, to me, this is what I imagined. If there'd be a problem, it would be unbreakable and split are movies that take place in the same universe, but they are really different movies tonally. Mm-hmm. Were they able to balance that well? Cause I, did they, or did they just merge what was unbreakable into more something along the lines of split or did they try to find some sort of happy medium or it wasn't a horror movie. Um, like how split was, mm-hmm. um, it was more, it was more in the unbreakable line of like subdue because the whole thing is like Sarah Paulson's, you know, talking to him like, hey, you know, this, you don't really have these powers. This explains this. And she does, you know, show them different things and try to get them. And Bruce Willis is more convinced of it than, than any of them. Yeah. Um, because, you know, he is falling apart. You know, you know, he he is getting old. He can definitely tell that this is getting tough. So we'll maybe, you know, he isn't in like like he thought he was Mm -hmm. and whatnot. Um, But no, I mean, it was, I liked it. It was just the the only thing was 
it kind of, and I will say this, they didn't have the super clunky M. Night Shyamalan dialogue that you expect. It was actually decent. Oh, that's um, nice. Yeah, yeah. I will say philosophically, he got a little too big for his own britches. Mm-hmm. Like there, there were definitely times where it's like, oh, that's a neat idea, but in a, in more capable hands, like it definitely could have been fleshed out a lot better. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I was overall okay with the ending, like the first twist I was fine with, but yeah. the, the second twist, not really the second twist, but it was just kind of like, well, oh, it's okay, I guess. Yeah. I, I think I kind of like the whole first part of that better. Uh, so what does what does Glass receive as a score? I don't know, like a three and three fourths. Like I, I thought it was pretty solid. Like I, I liked a lot of it. I mean, James McAvoy, he there are you know you see it in parts in Split, but I will say even more so in this one. Like it just his facial expressions. Oh, it's like oh that's Patricia. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so and so. Like not so much just the bees because that's definitely more overt. Yeah. But even whenever he's changing like from Hedwig and stuff, it's just. I mean, without him even talking, you can just tell which one he's changing to. And that, that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, I watched Lego Movie 2, the second one. Glenn, did you see this? No, I never I didn't. Okay, so to me, this is right in line with maybe, say, The Incredibles 2 in terms of movies that tiptoe about you know, with stuff that was great about the first, but it never quite lives up to the first. Uh, although Incredibles two, I thought was better than Lego movie two, but, uh, so it, it tiptoes with some of the things that made the first one great. Uh, it never quite reaches the, the heights though. Uh, I, I feel like they had a much more interesting story to tell, uh, for a big portion of Lego movie two, the, the stories essentially aren't like, uh, aren't little kids annoying is kind of the, uh, if you've ever had a younger sibling who wanted to play with you, but didn't exactly play by your rules they're they can be frustrating. Uh, if you didn't grow up with a younger sibling and you never had to do any of that, or if you were the younger sibling and you don't understand where it's coming from, uh, you'd feel like the villain for a good portion of this movie. They spend a lot more time uh, now that, uh, especially since they established in the first movie that there is a real world with real humans in it. They spend uh, not a lot of time, but they spend more time in that world than they did in the first Lego movie uh, Hmm. with some really interesting transitions back and forth between them. Uh, You know, it's a good story. Uh, and it does have some really good moments in it, but it's not quite the same as the first. I gave it three and a half, and it... And it's not as good as Lego Batman, I presume. It was not as good as Lego Batman, and it didn't do that well in the box office either, uh, if memory Yeah, starts. it really did tank. I mean, it made money, but it, yeah. Uh, other than Captain Marvel, Glenn, didn't you say there was another one you saw? Yes, uh, th- isn't this romantic? Okay. Uh, essentially, Rebel Wilson um, gets hit in the head, and after trying to get mugged, and her whole life becomes a romantic comedy. Okay. So every cliche you can think of that's all in there. Yes, it was. 
a lot of this thing you're talking about like obvious jokes yes duh, it's a spoof movie um i like but there were instances where i didn't understand why they felt the need to waste so much time on certain stuff i wish they would have harped more on the cliches um because there's like a whole sequence where you go so she's like an architect and mm-hmm. she specializes in parking garages mm-hmm so this guy's buying a building who's a billionaire, which is Liam Hensworth. And he's got an American accent and everything. And then but in her fantasy world of being in a coma or whatever, you know, all the men are super attractive, like yes. her doctor and stuff and her room that she's in. And then her apartment becomes enormous, like something like, uh, you know, everyone at her job respects her, except her, the woman, you know, now she's her enemy, so yeah. it's kind of like, you know, all they tackle on. And that was all played by, yeah, uh, Betty Gilpin. Uh, oh, from uh, Glow. You know, the lead for Glow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was very good. I, that was the thing is, I wish she was in it more. Two inst- two scenes maybe that were like thirty seconds. Yeah. After the whole romantic turning, because she's the one who's her best friend that becomes her enemy in romance world. Yeah. But it was it was good. It was just I wish it was. I wish they would have harped on it more. Like they they definitely could have had more fun. Because uh, there's there's a a bit of funny gags in the background. So like they go to Central Park. Mm-hmm. Her and Adam Devine do. Yes. Or whichever one's not the lead singer for Maroon Five. Uh, yeah. and it has all these canoes in the water and it's all just couples like the man rowing around like in Little the Mermaid mm-hmm. so there's a lot of like those visual gags in the background everything's like super bright and there's flowers everywhere and all she does is complain about her allergies ah. but uh, you know it, it just I really they really could have just like gone harder at that stuff Yeah, and they just didn't like you spent 20 minutes with her on a date with Liam Hensworth and he's like on a yacht and stuff and it's like I don't see pretty woman but like it's it's not pretty woman yeah right. you know, so, somewhat successful like she has a career she's not a, a so, successful career in a more enlightened world but she's not a prostitute uh, so it's just it just that kind of stuff was clunky I, I, it really just much potential for it to be more brazen was i think that was kind of my biggest downfall for it yeah so where does that hit on the richter scale what does that get on the old scoreboard glenn sorry what oh uh where does that so where does that land on like the on the score scale You getting me at all? No, you're you have been cutting out really bad for me, uh, but I've always been able to kind of piece it together. But that whole instance, uh, I I was uh, but like that, like I I didn't say a word you said. Uh, ridic- <laughs> ridiculous. Okay, uh, so what would you give? Uh, what would you give that one, Glenn? Uh, like a two point seven five. Ah, so not great. Not yeah, awful. Not great. Not awful. You know, fun leads, but overall, 
I mean, it's kind of boring. Uh, okay, so I've got a couple more to lead us into our main event discussion here. Uh, I saw Fighting With My Family, which is the Stephen Merchant film. Uh, that is oh, also, I wanted to watch that. Yeah, also uh, produced by uh, The Rock's production uh, company about... The uh, it's based off of the documentary following the Knight family in Britain, who uh, produced uh, WWE wrestler Paige, who is now not a wrestler anymore. Uh, she's uh, had to retire due to uh, a neck, I think, a neck injury. I think. Um, so I'd actually never seen the uh, the documentary before. It was a Channel Four documentary that was done many years ago uh but it's easily findable on youtube uh so i went and watched that and it's a actually a pretty interesting documentary and uh for a big chunk of the movie they actually follow the documentary pretty rigorously uh it was actually a little surprising how much of what was in the documentary they uh, kept in or added in to this film, it felt like they didn't even particularly add a whole lot of um, a whole lot of anything extra, really, until uh, the the later half of the film. Uh, the star of the film, Florence Pugh, who plays uh, Paige, she's excellent. Uh, in fact. Uh, this for the most part is a really standard sports drama. I mean, if you've seen one of these Glenn before you've pretty much seen them all, it tends to follow the same formula, but there's a, a lot of heart and humor that carries the movie well above the expectations I had for it. Uh, the rock of course is really funny in all of the scenes that he's in. Uh, I mean, it's not hard for him at this point, but, uh, you know, he was really excellent. Uh, I guess the... This doesn't bother me, but I know it'll bother some people, because I saw a lot of people upset about this with, like, Bohemian Wait, Rhapsody. Vince in What's that? Vince Vaughn's in this? Yeah, Vince Vaughn plays the head instructor for NXT, the developmental brand of WWE. So he's like the person who scouts her and signs her to a deal. So the the story is that her like she comes from a wrestling family. Her mother and father are wrestlers. They own a wrestling a small independent promotion in England and her brother, her older brother wanted to be a wrestler. And she never wanted to be a wrestler and sort of fell into it. And they ended up trying out together in the movie, and she gets picked, and he doesn't. And he never gets picked, in fact. And it creates, like, a rift between them for a little bit, but then everything comes back together again. Uh, very similar to what happens in the documentary. Um, and I, I think the, the rift is more severe in the film than it is in the documentary, but... Uh, you know, there's still, there is one, uh, but yeah, he, and he's excellent actually in the movie as well. I should note. Uh, so yeah, people had a lot of complaints about Bohemian Rhapsody, Glenn, that it was not very historically accurate. Uh, you know, to, 
I mean, I I don't know. I I always literally I take it literally when they say based on a true story. To me, that just means they're telling you a story that has a basis in real events. But it is not a documentary of real events. It's a story that they've made up that is based on things that actually happened. Uh, which is what this movie is as well. Uh, and actually, in this movie, more than anything, I know why they changed so much. Uh in the at the end of the real documentary, her family is watching her compete on FCW, which was what WWE was using for developmental at the time, uh, and that's how the documentary ends. Like they never it, it ended well before she ever got called up to television uh, or anything like that. Uh, the movie ends with her television debut, where she wins a title. Uh, so that's a little bit of fabrication. And they also uh, had to completely fabricate her time in NXT to make it seem like she was a misfit there and nobody liked her and she's not really going to make it, is she? She looks like she's really failing. Uh, but her real run in NXT, she was really popular and <laughs> she won the women's championship there, but... You know, with the climax of this movie being she goes to the main roster and wins a championship on her first night, you you know, you can't show her being super popular and winning a title before that. So I get why they made those changes, but anybody who gets bugged by those, you're going to hate it. Because uh, it's nowhere close to representing what really happened in her story. But uh, if you know going in that this is just a version of her story that they're telling. Uh, you like it. I thought this exceeded my expectations. Uh, I gave it a four. Really enjoyed it. Uh, and before we talk about Captain Marvel, Glenn, let's talk about the movie that you should have boycotted Captain Marvel for in order to see Alita Battle Angel. I think that was one of the things, right? Boycott Captain Marvel and go watch Alita was one of the things I saw on the internet about this awful Captain Marvel movie, which uh, ruined lives or something, I think. Uh, Alita Battle Angel uh, was actually pretty good. Uh, I thought it was going to be a mess, uh, but surprisingly better than I thought uh, as well. Uh, visually, really stunning. Uh the I mean of the main character is mostly I'm pretty sure it's almost all CGI, uh, but it's really good. It's a good performance behind it as well, uh, with good action. The story is a little just there. It's not bad, but it's nothing you haven't seen before. Uh, and they get a little too pod racy, like they've got this sort of uh, uh, skating extreme skating game or something that they spend, uh, from my taste, a little too much time on. Like, I think they go back to it, like, th I think they go to it, like, three times in this movie, which is, I would say, two times too many. Uh, but they spend quite a bit of time with it. Uh, but overall, I would say it's it's not that bad. I was expecting... Something that looked good, but was maybe not good otherwise, but I ended up landing about three and a half for me. I liked it. Uh, all right. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I've heard it's 
fine. Yeah, it's totally fine. Uh, I had a good time watching it. Uh, well, uh, I do have some bad news. That boycott I mentioned earlier did not work really good for Captain Marvel. Uh, turns out it still made a lot of money, set a bunch of various records, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It's on course to be a billion dollars. Uh, I thought it was a good movie that is like, for me, in the middle of the pack for Marvel films. Yep. Like, it'll probably land on, like, number 10 for my top 10 movies of in the MCU or whatever. Like, a 10 or 9, maybe. Um, but it's not in the upper echelon, and it's certainly not in, like, you know, Iron Man 2 levels uh, of, you know, just there-ness. Uh, I liked it. Uh, I'm, I've seen a lot of... Uh, complaints from people that they thought Brie Larson was too wooden, which I disagree with. Uh, maybe they just haven't seen enough wooden performances. Uh, like uh, most of this movie, she's playing amnesiac, which is a tough story to tell to begin with. Uh, that's kind of the weirdness of how they wanted to do they're kind of on this kick of doing an unusual way of telling an origin story. This was sort of Captain Marvel figuring out her own origin story as Carol Danvers. Uh, so she kind of had to do this whole, I don't know who I am. She's also a Kree soldier. So um, for a bulk of the movie, she's not particularly animated, but you know, I thought by the end she was, totally affable. I thought she had good chemistry with Sam Jackson. I thought they played off each other well. Uh, and I found her to be a likable character. Not nearly as likable as her best friend, uh, Maria Lambeau. I think they, she had the... I thought she was the best person in the movie, and I thought they... The best scene in the movie was when they were just talking to each other on her ranch or whatever it is, her home. Uh, I thought that was the uh, the best scene in the movie. Uh, I liked that they didn't do the typical... Um, they went against the grain, didn't do the typical bad guy thing. The scrolls really weren't the bad guys in this movie. Uh, ben Mendelsohn got to... Instead of having to be the villain, he got to lighten up and chew some scenery a little bit, so that was fun. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, this was just like a fine addition for me. Fine. Uh, like a top 10 Marvel movie is like a four for me, uh, which is what I gave Captain Marvel. I liked it quite a bit. Uh, my youngest daughter wants to be goose for Halloween this year. Uh, so yeah, uh, more than anything, Glenn, kudos to Marvel for introducing probably the most ridiculous character. I don't know if you consider Howard the Duck more ridiculous, but I think Goose or or the Flurkin, which is number one outstandingly ridiculous name for an outstandingly ridiculous character. But uh, they're probably going to make a ton of money off of this thing. Uh, what did you think of Captain Marvel? Yeah, I mean kind of mostly the same thing. Uh... I thought I didn't like Brie Larson as much as you, mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't so much I think her 
I really dislike the first part of the movie. And even I felt my, a little lost. And I've watched all well, these movies. It wasn't that. It was I didn't like I didn't like the mix up order because the whole thing is I'm supposed to root for this person. Well, I don't know anything about this person. Yeah. Um, she doesn't know anything about herself. But then I get to find things out about herself before she does. Yeah, and sometimes is, that can work, but I felt like in I feel like in an instance where most of these origin movies like are supposed to be, you know, whatever you say about the movie, at least they got the character right, so we can use them in the next film. Mm-hmm. That was my problem is that like I just felt like with the way they handled her, I don't think she was given the best direction. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like you could tell that a lot of the stuff was filmed out of sequence just because I felt like she was given a direction to do something and then she, you know, did her job and did it. Yeah. She's a good actress. And uh, it just kind of, I just feel like you could see that throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, I thought Sam Jackson was great. I agree with you. Her best friend, she was great. She was the best part of the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was nice to see Ben Mendelsohn chew a different... Uh, chew up the scenery, but get it, to do it in a more fun, lighthearted way yes. versus what he gets to do it, which is say like awful mean things as the mustache twirler villain. Mm-hmm. Um, I I thought Jude Law was dist- I think that was my biggest thing is that Jude Law was distractingly good looking yes. for this movie, <laughs> and so the fact that I don't know anything about Brie Larson, I am just enthralled with him. I am more interested in him than her i am the first 20 minutes just because i feel like i know more about his character than i do about her yon rog um, yes which which was kind of a weird uh fitting mm-hmm. i felt really bad for annette benning because i felt like she didn't get anything to do and she's such a great actress like yeah not just, really yeah i was kind of i thought they were gonna do more with the supreme intelligence kind of thing but yeah she didn't really get to say or do a whole lot i mean even her big moment is her getting shot in the chest yep um so it was and that kind of stuff i just i felt like it was really clunky in a lot of spots but i thought the whole like i thought who had the best character arc was nick fury like him i feel like his character arc was more important than hers in a a weird way Um, well i mean given the setting of this film uh it really is like all of this what happens here are the elements that make him who he is later on. Yeah. And he's the more fish out of water than her, which he, is kind of strange to think. Kind of. Yeah. Cause you know, she's the one who doesn't know anything about this planet, but he's the one who's learning more about what, you know, the government and so on and so forth. And there being other planets and mm-hmm. this bad, what the one who's learning. You know, I think at the time when I watched it, it was more of a criticism. Like, I felt like, oh, she if they're doing the fish out of water thing, it didn't work. But I think in hindsight, it is him who's more fish out of water, and it, it does work that way. Um, yeah, she sort of but, reacclimates to life on Earth. Uh, she isn't that out of water. No, it's just like, oh, this is all technology. Okay, well, I know how to do everything, so I'm going to rewire all this, and yeah. I can send a communicator to my other planet. Like, she never really has any trials no, and tribulations. She's not like, really, yeah. She's not really out of water. She just doesn't. She just gets like shocked all of a sudden that 
who you thought you are, you're not. You're somebody else, and this is about her learning who she is. Yeah. But she wasn't really a fish out of water so much. Um, you're and, right, like, Nick Fury. Her Fury's... personality didn't really change because, you know, they didn't change her personality. They just tried to gear what she could be, you know, for yes. the betterment of their empire. Yeah. But um, I think that was the thing is usually we see these characters grow and change, and they didn't really do that with her. She was always who she was. She just untapped her potential. Yeah. And I don't know if it's good or bad. It, it's just what we're accustomed to, I think, is where where they went off the formula a little bit. It it, it just felt weird. It, it didn't it didn't feel in place. Yeah, she didn't need to change. She just needed to like this wasn't about her needing uh some sort of revelation. This was just about her discovering who she is and what yeah. she's capable of. Uh so, I mean I again I thought I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was anything amazing. Mm-hmm. Unlike what you think, you know, it's kind of middle of the road as far as Marvel movies. Um, yeah. I mean, what you think middle of the road is and what I think middle of the road, because like I said, my middle of the road is a four. Uh, so yeah, I, don't... I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say it's too much lower than that. And I'd say like, like a three and a half, three and three fourths. Like it wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't bad. I mean, I liked it. It was just, um, some of the stuff was like, so with the scrolls or whatever. Yep. I like that, you know, when you see them turn into somebody, like I think they do establish it pretty early. Like there's definitely a lot of hints that they're not equal. Yeah. You never directly see them kill anyone. Yep. Uh or anything like that. So there's definitely like little hints that And you keep this... being told that they are evil by the Kree, who if you've watched any Marvel movies or T V shows, are always bad. Well, Ronin is bad. Yeah, not, well, not necessarily the other Cree. Like, well, on agent. Well, I'm just saying. For example, on Agents of Shield, they've had Cree, all bad guys. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, so not uh, all Cree are bad, but every time the Cree have been shown on television, they're portrayed as bad guys. Yeah, uh, or that's in fair. films. So, like that. I mean, so that's like an obvious thing to me as well. Like, well, she's with the bad guys. You know, part of her team. Uh, is that one yeah. guy who tries to kill Star-Lord at the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, bad guy. Yeah. Uh, and Ronan is, is, of course, in this movie. Uh, yeah, I will say, I don't know if it's because he didn't have the black line. It's it's the black, because if you're thinking what I'm thinking, it's like, he looked nothing like Ronan from the other movie, and he looked like yeah. really young, too. Maybe they de-aged him a, a skosh. I was, I was just about to say that uh, the whole joke, you know, not like the, not like the keyboard warrior joke, but like the joke is that oh, Miss Marvel or Captain Marvel looks really good for um, whatever yeah. twenty years in the past. And I, and when I watched the movie, I'm like, no, I feel like Ronan looks pretty good. I mean, you know, timeline wise, he looked I think really young. Movie, yeah, I think the first uh, movie supposed to be like two thousand and six or something like that, and it like supposed to be like early mm-hmm. mid two thousands timeline wise. I'm like, but he, you know, he looks. He looks younger. Oh, yeah. Um, and, so they did a pretty good job. But and yeah, I, it's the black lines. He looks so different without them. Without them, yeah. And that uh, and that technology, by the way, uh, I if, with the right person, like it with Nick Fury, with Sam Jackson, I thought it looked great throughout the movie. In fact, it, there are points where I just assumed that they just CGI'd hair or put a wig on him because he it didn't look like they really did that much to him. The same with... Um, Clark Gregg, uh, as well. It looked like they didn't really have to do much work to de-age them. 
uh, or maybe they did and the technology is just that good, but I thought it looked pretty solid uh, throughout the movie. Um, and then, of course, like, uh, I guess the biggest crime this movie committed, Glenn, was that we found out that Nick Fury lost his eye because a cat scratched it out. And I don't know what corners of the internet you're hanging out in, Glenn, but in mine, people were really mad about this. They think it uh, completely ruins that scene for them in The Winter Soldier, where Nick Fury says that he lost his eye because, you know, last time he trusted somebody, he lost an eye. Um, You know, and it's like, well, he lost his eye to a cat. It's a joke. And all Marvel does is joke. I guess they wanted a standalone, maybe a Nick Fury solo movie, a dark and gritty tale where he has a best friend that shoots his eye out. Or he had I a think f- my only thing is that they felt the need they had to freaking explain. Like, oh yeah, like it, a solo movie. Like you know, that was. There are things in this movie that it did feel a little solo esque, and like, did I really have to learn the origin of that? Like that's yeah, well, a couple of times they it's, set it up. I mean, they they set it up in in older movies, so yeah. I knew ev- a... I knew eventually somebody was going to end up walking through that door. I was fine with what they did, and it makes sense. Yeah, who cares? It's and, not and it, it's not a big deal, and but... it makes sense that in the in Winter Soldier he says what he says because Nick Fury lies to people. He lies to Captain Fucking America like all throughout that movie, and he's the hero. And Nick Fury, who's supposed to be on his side, lies to him constantly about things. And he lies to the bad guys. Why wouldn't he lie about something, you know, he's got this uh, aura around him in that movie. Or, you know, when we meet him, he's a different Nick Fury than he is in this. Um, yeah, he's much more lighthearted. And, yeah, and Captain Marvel is much more lighthearted and easygoing. And he's much more hardened and mysterious later on. He's got an aura to protect. He's not going to say, I, I had a a cat that scratched my eye out, you know, he's going to say, no, last time I trusted somebody, I lost an eye, which is not entirely lying. He's just not telling them the whole story. And it's okay that they used it for, uh, a gag in this film. Uh, yeah, who cares? Besides people have pointed out to me that that cat in the comics has been, (laughs) has been considered one of the most destructive and dangerous things in the universe. Again, it's one of the most ridiculous characters if people thought Groot was too ridiculous for movies, they haven't seen Goose. Because Goose is basically like a... If, you, if you're still unsure as to what it is, it looks like a cat on the outside, but on the inside, it's like Doctor Who's TARDIS. It's like a small police box on the outside, but on the inside, it's infinitely huge. It's some sort of infinitely large space creature on the inside of Goose, and it is in this film. It swallowed the Tesseract, and it swallowed at least two Kree soldiers. Uh, but in the comic books, they said it's possible that it could swallow a planet. So yeah, it's uh, it's like the the aliens in Men in Black, like yeah, Earth and, the, and like this enormous tentacles come out. But you know, you see it; it's just a normal looking woman. Yeah, it's a multi-dimensional yeah. space creature, uh, which is absolutely ridiculous, but holy shit, did people love that cat in this movie, Glenn. Uh, and I'll be honest, it stole some scenes. I thought it was adorable and funny. Uh, yeah, so, fun. As someone who generally doesn't like cats because he's highly allergic to them, yeah, the cat was fine. 
Yeah. <laughs> You're predisposed to not like this cat and you still thought it was okay. So yeah, at the end of the day, uh, uh, Captain Marvel, not a blight on humanity. Uh, probably not even worth boycotting to be honest. And it but didn't matter. Anyway. The problem though, you know, about it is like, you do get these stupid guys who are hardcore nerds. And I think some of it is just trolling to troll, but then yeah. you take it a little too serious. And then you have the flip side of like making this movie into something that it's not like, I'm not saying yeah. I mean, it's culture. Culture is always going to progress, yeah. you know, a uh, way of life more than going into laws, you know, we, you know, what people say about Will and Grace and whatnot, like what it's done for gay rights. You know, you look at mm-hmm. it now, it's probably a little offensive. Yeah. But it's a stepping stone. I mean, I have no problem with that, but it is like, you know, this is on the cusp of, you know, Disney. <laughs> yeah. Acquiring all of this kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, let's, you know, let's take it a little easy. But yes, yeah. it is good that we have, you know, another female superhero that girls and boys can look up to and root for and like and mm-hmm. and whatnot. But let's, you know, let's not blow this out of proportion on either side. It, it is a shame, though, because, again, you get those guys who are being jackasses about it. And then anytime, if you, you know, just like the Ghostbusters thing, if you're going to have a criticism of it, it's like, oh, well, it's just, you know, it's not for you. Well, yeah, the, that's kind of the whole point of all this is it's not for me. Yeah, and um, I'm voicing that I did not like it. Yeah, uh, and it's okay to <laughs> not like. Yeah, yeah, and it's okay to not like it. Uh, that's totally fine. I I will continue to fight that Brie Larson was not wooden. Uh, to me, no, I don't think she was wooden. I just, I really do think that she just wasn't given strong direction. And I know these mm-hmm. people who made this movie; they haven't done a whole lot of other stuff. Yeah. So you know, this is. You know, it's kind of the Marvel formula. Yeah. Find a nice indie person I, that you like, you pluck them in. And, you know, not everyone can step up you yeah. know, to the challenge. It's and, fine. And if this Captain Marvel wasn't for you, then check her out in Endgame, uh, where she will be in the hands of different directors and writers, and her character will have been uh, evolving off-screen for whatever yeah. it is, 20-something years. So she will probably not be the exact same character from the origin story film. So if you didn't enjoy that one, maybe you'll enjoy uh, the version that is portrayed in Endgame. So, okay, uh, that's... Uh, They're just superhero movies. That's right. <laughs> uh, that's a wrap, Glenn, uh, on this uh, episode of the podcast. So head on over to cinemageekly.com uh, to check out the archives of the show. And uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Just search for Cinema Geekly and hit subscribe. That way you can hear us come back next time and talk about more movies and TV news and reviews on another episode of the Cinema Geekly Podcast. Mm-hmm.